Transformation Station. It's good to see everyone this morning. Um, as Micah said, my name is Tanner Turley. I serve as one of the pastors here of Redemption Hill. And uh, as John mentioned earlier, we're going to be continuing our study through Ephesians this morning. We're calling this study In Christ, and you're going to see why we've titled it this morning as we work our way through verses 7 through 14 of chapter 1. Uh, if you're using one of the Bibles that we provided for you there in the rows, it'll be page uh, 976 in those Bibles that we provided for you there in the rows. Well, as you uh, turn there, I want to ask everyone a question. I think it'll be pretty uh, easy to answer. Have you ever broken something uh, in your life? Have you, have you ever broken something? Ray, raise your hand. Anything you've ever, yeah, that's like almost 100%. Pretty sure everyone's in the same camp. I mean, now, listen, I'm not unnecessarily trying to conjure up uh, you know, unfortunate memories for us, but I think we've all experienced this from, you know, one time or another. I can remember as a kid uh, going to visit my grandmother's house. Remember, everyone, you know, maybe can, can think back to a similar scenario, and, and I was playing frisbee tag with my cousins, okay? Now, if you've never played frisbee tag, you get a frisbee, and you try to nail, you know, one another with the frisbee. If you catch it, that person's out, but if you get hit with the frisbee, whether it's off your leg, chest, head, whatever, you know, then you're out of the game if you don't catch the frisbee. So, so we're, we're going outside to play, you know, we're scheming, going on the, in, the, in the, the, the yard, and uh, my grandmother uh, says, of course, hey, don't play near my storm window, right? And like the, the door on the, on the, on the, uh, the, the storm window, the pane glass on the, the storm door. So, so as we're playing this game, uh, we, were, we were pretty far away from her precious, you know, door. Uh, but, but as we were getting, you know, more and more into it, uh, you, you, can, you can just picture this, right? Okay, so one of my cousins throws it at me and being the competitor that I am, okay, I'm not worried about the door at this point. I duck and it collides perfectly with her storm door and shatters the glass, and it's only a few seconds later that Frances Turley, my mamaw, grandmother, comes out and we experience her wrath on that particular day, right? Um, maybe maybe uh, you can identify with this. Uh, a couple years ago, March 2012, uh, we, uh, we had some friends, man, it's almost three years ago. Sorry, my math's pretty bad. Uh, almost three years ago, we had some friends come up to visit us here in Boston, we were hanging out in the dining room, talking about what we were going to do that night. And so, you know, it's, it's hard for me to leave my little idol, you know, any, anywhere that's not with me. So, so rather than, you know, leave it 10 feet away from, from, from the dining room table into the, the kitchen, I just pick it up and kind of put it in my pocket like this. You know what I'm saying? Just kind of halfway because I'm just, I'm just for a second and I can put it back on the table. So, so I don't know what it was. I don't know if one of the girls kind of catches my attention, but, but out falls my iPhone lands right on that top corner, and, and this is what happened to my uh, iPhone. Anyone ever been there? Ever, yeah, yeah that's, that's not a great experience, okay? Because my, you know what my first thought was when that happened? Not like, how much is this going to cost to fix or replace this? My first thought was, what on earth am I going to tell Marsha? So, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of bad when those, mo- those moments as an adult, you feel like a little kid with your tail tucked between your legs, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's just not a very pleasant experience. Well, uh, we, we understand we all experience brokenness. Brokenness describes something uh, whose or- original design uh, has, 
has, has been distorted, right? So something that, uh, the way that it was originally designed to work no longer is functioning properly. And this can be uh, something like one of our possessions, but we know that brokenness goes so much deeper than that. We experience brokenness in our relationships. We experience brokenness in our work. We experience brokenness just in the day-to-day rhythms of life, whether we're talking about technology or uh, maybe the tea here in Boston. Can I get a witness from anybody? Yeah, I see some of you laughing about that. Um, organizations experience brokenness. Our health, 100% of us one day will experience brokenness with our health. This world that we live in, there is nothing that is touched, that is, that is left untouched by brokenness. But, but, but added to that, we, we know that there is also brokenness within us, right? Not just around us, but within us. And so in our thoughts before God, they, they often don't line up with, with what he would wish for us. We know that our desires and our affections, what we love, uh, they're often conflicting and corrupted. The actions that we commit uh, from day to day, not only do we often fail to meet our own standards, but we also uh, much more gravely fail to meet God's standards that he uh, gives for our lives. Now, brokenness is a riddle that has plagued our existence from the very beginning. And what, what, is, what complicates all of this is that oftentimes this brokenness that we experience, it is simply uh, irreparable. We, we can't repair it. We can't fix it. And even when we can fix it, oftentimes there is a great cost to fixing the brokenness around us and maybe perhaps even within us. When we are at our best, we want to fix that which is broken, right? But we know that in and of ourselves, we are limited in strength, we are limited in resources, we are limited in our own ingenuity. So brokenness is something that we are going to experience in this life under the sun. But before you get too discouraged this morning, okay, here's, here's the good news. What if I told you that God has provided a solution for the brokenness in our world? What if I told you that this solution was 100% comprehensive? Just as brokenness leaves nothing untouched in our world, so the, the solution that God provides will leave nothing undone. What if I told you that this solution was also 100% fail-proof, okay? In other words, what God fixes will forever be healed. And what if I told you this, that God has already launched this restoration project through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and his restoration is already available to us. Because the good news of the gospel is that it most certainly is. So this morning, we're going to consider part two of our identity in Christ. And what we're going to see is in light of God's plan to unite all things 
in our broken world through Jesus, we have more reasons to praise God for our identity that is forever made whole because of the cross of Christ. So what I want to do, I want to, I want to go back and I want to read verses 3 through 14 of Ephesians chapter 1. If you missed it last week, you're gonna, you need to know that this is one sentence in the Greek language, okay? This is crazy. Paul is just exploding in praise to God. And so in 202 words, he lays out an abundant number of reasons we have to praise God, all right? So just soak this up and enjoy. Here's what Paul says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, We're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So what we're going to look at is three reasons we have to praise God this morning as we see them in these verses, verses 7 through 14. Okay, first we're going to look at what God has done to heal the brokenness within us. Then, number two, we're going to look at what he has done to bring this cosmic reconciliation, this cosmic unification that we've already uh, referred to. And then finally, number three, we're going to look at the inheritance that God has in his people and the inheritance that God has for his people. These are all huge reasons why we have to praise God this morning. So number one, praise God that we are redeemed out of our brokenness and forgiven in Christ. This is what verses 7 and 8 tell us. Let's read them again. In him we have what? Redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Okay, so now just remember last week because we looked at Paul starts off and he says, look, we are blessing God. We are praising God. We are recognizing the worth of God because he has blessed us. He has given us so, such immense benefits in Christ. In fact, he has given us every spiritual blessing. There's nothing that we lack because of Jesus. And we saw that in verse four, he says, this was, this was orchestrated from before the world was ever created, before we were ever created, before we even had uh, the gift of faith to trust in Christ. God was working out this eternally planned grace to bring us salvation in Christ. We have been elected 
chosen, and that leads us to being adopted into God's family. But Paul does not stop there, okay? He's going to tell us that we are redeemed, forgiven, lavished, brought in, united, inherited, sealed, and given to the praise of God. All of this happens because we are in Christ. This is really good news. Now, forever remember this little picture, okay? It's not super artistic, but it is super important, right? Very good. What Paul then says here is that we have redemption. Okay, redemption refers to being delivered from imprisonment or bondage. The clearest picture that we have in the Old Testament is that of the Exodus where God takes his people out of Egypt who were mistreated and enslaved by Pharaoh and he pulls them out, he redeems them into a better way of life out of Egypt. And the the Exodus is is a precursor to what God is going to, to offer us in Christ, redemption out of our bondage to sin and death. Now, now, how does God accomplish this? Well, uh, in, in redemption, there typically was a, a ransom price that had to be paid so that a person could be lifted out of their bondage. And so this, this price that God has, has, has paid, this costly price, comes through, as Paul says, through the blood of Christ. So when we talk about salvation and we say over and over again at Redemption Hill, salvation is a free gift, right? There's nothing that we can do to earn our salvation. It's by grace, not by works that we're saved. So there's, there's no, no payment that we could ever make to God for our sin debt. So God pays the price himself through the blood of Christ. So while salvation is free for us, it was costly to Christ. It cost him his very life. Peter puts it like this. You were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Now, why was such a costly gift demanded from God for our sin. It is because our sin is so great. Listen, if, if you do not see the holiness of God, how perfect and, and, and righteous and awesome God is, then, then you probably won't see the, the depth and the magnitude of your sin. We have, to see that we have to see our sin before God. We have to see our need that our sin has rightly separated us from God. And this sin is so great. I mean, just, just think about our sin. Just think about your sin. Every evil thought, every misguided word, every selfish moment, every moment of, of pride, lust, greed, anger, self-glory. Jesus willingly, voluntarily goes to the cross, offers up his life on our behalf that he might pay our debt and set us free. That's what, that's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness refers to the cancellation of, of, of a legal or financial debt that we owe. So, so here's the irony of the cross, okay? Don't miss this. We owed a debt to God that we could never pay, right? 
We can, never, we can never repay God for the debt of our sin. It's too massive. It's too great. But Christ paid a debt that he never owed so that we could be forgiven of our sin. And so, listen, I know that sometimes people hear this good news about God's grace and his love and his forgiveness. And, and here's the response, okay? Man, Tanner, you don't know my life, man. You just don't know, man. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been through. You don't, you don't know uh, all of the evil things that I have done. You don't know what I've done when no one else was around, when the lights were off and I was behind closed doors and what, what I was thinking and doing in those moments. And you know what? That's, that's absolutely true. And neither do you know the depths of my sin. And yet, what, what God has done in Christ is he says, look, the measure of my love goes way beyond the measure of your sin. As Richard Sibbs once said, there is more mercy in Christ than sin in us. So, so if you are wrestling with, man, would God ever love me? Would God ever accept me? Would God ever forgive me for what I've done? Would he ever wipe the slate clean? Listen, he, he is offering this gift to you in Christ. So if you are not yet in Christ, then the greatest thing you could do today is receive the gift that God offers you through Jesus. That's it. If you are in Christ, then, then we should together stand in awe of this great love that God has distributed to us through Jesus. I mean, when we partake of communion in a, in a little while, I mean, just, just reflect, stand in awe of the links of God's love for us in Christ. And all of this comes, listen, as Paul says, according to what? The riches of his grace. What is the cause of our redemption in Christ? It's, it's the riches of his grace. It's the generosity of God that he hasn't just distributed to us in a, in a little portion, okay? But he has lavished upon us. I love that language. I think about it, when I think about lavish, I think about a waterfall or, or perhaps an ocean of grace, okay? So many times we treat the grace of God as if we're kind of swimming around in a little baby pool. You know what I'm saying? Like what a ridiculous picture, Right? Don't, don't think of the person next to you and picture them in a baby pool. Right? You just did it, sorry. All right. what, a, what a ridiculous picture, but this is how we treat the grace of God. It's like, man, it's just a, a little bit. I'm just gonna live in a little bit of power that God wants to give me when God has given us an ocean of, of his grace for us to swim around in and enjoy and live in his power. So God has done this for us and he has also given it in all wisdom and insight. Okay, so, so what this means is that God has given us the ability to understand uh, the, 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 the scope of his plan, this mystery that Paul starts to talk about in verse nine, which then leads us to number two, the second reason to praise God. You ready? Praise God that we are part of his cosmic unification plan in Christ. Let's read verses 9 and 10 uh, together again. This is what Paul says, uh, that he is making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to what? To unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. Now, uh, I know there is a lot here in these verses. So let me just try to break it down for us uh, here. Uh, here's the gist of it. Paul says that God is making known a mystery. Now, when we hear as, as, as you know, 21st century Americans, when we hear the word mystery, we think about riddles that are almost impossible to solve. That's not what 
Paul means when he says mystery. The word mystery in the Bible refers to something that was once concealed that has now been revealed. Okay? That's mystery. And so what is the mystery then? The mystery is that this plan that God uh, set up before the foundation of the world is now being revealed and it's being revealed in Christ. So if we think about this stage being, being the plan of God's redemptive purposes in history, when the, when the curtain lifts, what we see that everything is going to be accomplished through Jesus. He is the one behind the curtain. He is the one that accomplishes the purposes of God, and he is the one in whom everything is being united or summed up. So what is exactly being summed up? What is this, uh, as Peter O'Brien says, this this, uh, ultimate goal of history? Okay, Paul says this, it is all things. It's all things. And he kind of amplifies it or clarifies it. He says, things in heaven and things on earth. You say, well, Tanner, why is Paul just inserting that language? He's trying to be, you know, rhetorical, like a lot of, you know, preachers that, you know, just want to stack terms to kind of, for the sake of emphasis. Okay, like, no, that's, that's not it. Paul says that, that the work of Christ is operating in these two spheres, and he's going to bring up this language again and again as we work our way through, the, through Ephesians, okay? Things in heaven, things on earth. Things in heaven, things on earth. And things in heaven uh, seems to primarily refer to the powers of darkness that oppose God and his plan of redemption. These are things that we cannot see with the naked eye. Things on earth seem to primarily refer to the church, okay, God's people, what he's doing in us, and how he is restoring his good creation through Jesus. These are things that we can see with our eyes. And so let's just, let's just think about this, um, how, how incredible this unification project truly is, okay? Uh, number one, God takes people like us through the blood of Christ, and he reconciles us who never deserve to be reconciled to him. He brings us back together with him. This is the good news of the gospel, right? Personal redemption, personal reconciliation. But then number two, God takes people, two people that never would have gotten along, never would have been united before, and he unifies them in Christ. Now, how does God, how does God do this? Right? As we, we think about two radically different people, okay? And we all, we all have uh, just differences with, with different people in, in life, right? We have, we have different backgrounds, and there are things that divide us and separate us. Um, we've thought about this, hopefully, uh, lately with, with the Black Life, Lives Matter campaign, and we need to pay attention to that, right? Tomorrow's Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and I love that because I love what he stood for in the civil rights movement and how he spearheaded that effort uh, for, for, to, to eliminate discrimination amongst races, right? We should all applaud that because that's what the gospel does, but, but even beyond that, what the gospel says is not simply black lives matter, although it screams that, but the gospel screams that every life matters, right? Every life matters to God. So you can take a black and a white person and you can make them one in Christ. You can take an Asian and a South American and you can make them one in Christ. You can take a nerd and a Patriots fan and you can make them one in Christ. Okay? It's like there's, there's no limit to what God does when he brings people together in Christ. So God, God does this. He, he reconciles us to him. He reconciles us to one another. 
And he is also working, this is so good, he is also working to restore his good creation in Christ. You say, well, Tanner, explain that to me, okay? Listen, this world, again, we live in is broken. Earthquakes, tornadoes, tsunamis. All of the, all of the, the systems systemic brokenness that pervades our world because of sin. God is going to rectify it in Christ. And so Romans 8 says that that creation even longs for uh, this this reconciliation, this redemption. Uh, It is is in bondage under decay right now. It's in bondage to decay, but yet one day it will be set free. And so what Christianity says is that it's not that, you know, the material world is bad, okay, and and the spiritual world is good, and so we're only concerned about the spirit uh, and the soul, but but God cares about our bodies. He cares about this earth. He cares about creation. That's why we can talk about environmentally friendly and being green and taking care of the world that we live in, okay, because God is going to restore this whole thing one day. And so listen to what Vinath Ramachandra says about about the unique vision of Christianity over against other world religions. This is what he says. So our salvation lies not in an escape from this world, but in the transformation of this world. You will not find hope for the world in any religious systems or philosophies of humankind. The biblical vision is unique. That is why when some say that there is salvation in other faiths, I ask them, what salvations are you talking about? No, faith holds out a promise of eternal salvation for the world the way that the cross and resurrection of Jesus. Okay, no other faith holds it out in the same way the cross and, and, and the resurrection of Christ do. God is, God is looking to restore this whole thing in and through Jesus Christ. Okay, so, so, so just, again, think about this, all right? This is good news for us. Christ's transformative work touches all of the small areas of our life. And if you look at Facebook and, and Twitter and Instagram, okay, people will be hashtagging things like, you know, mom probs, dad probs. Anyone ever seen this kind of thing, this kind of language? All right, I mean, so we, we have mom probs and dad probs. We have family probs and, and friend probs. Okay, you guys track it with me, problems? We got problems, right? Everybody's got problems. We're going to talk about these problems. We got, we got, you know, nurse probs, doc probs, student probs, teacher probs. We got parking probs in Medford. Just watch the city council meetings, you know. I think it's Tuesday nights, man. That was, that was something else. I wish I would have, like, recorded that. That was really cool. Um, people were just upset about the new parking meters around uh, Medford. But not only is, is Christ's transforming work good, all of those things, it, it, it extends way beyond that. Sin, sickness, disease, cancer, murderers, terrorists. I mean, God is going to take care of all of this through Jesus one day. So, so do you see the ramifications here? Do you think that, that we who are in Christ have anything to say to people who are in, in France, in Nigeria, and in, in Yemen right now who are experiencing uh, terror? Among them? Absolutely. We are so prone to get swept up in all of the, the details of this life, all of the worries, all of the concerns, all of the anxieties. But what Paul does here is he lifts our eyes and he says, look, do not forget 
that God is working to not only restore your individual life, but he's going to restore all of creation through the work of Christ on the cross. This is our hope, right? This is the story. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. You could say it another way. Creation, decreation, recreation, new creation. He's going to make it happen. He makes good on all of his promises, and he will do it in Christ. This is, this is a reality, okay, listen to this, that, that has already been inaugurated, implemented in Christ, and we can experience it now. We have, not only do we have salvation that, that begins when we first believe, but we have foretastes, right? We have little glimpses of heaven when we, when we do the works of God and we live our lives in, line, in alignment with the kingdom of God, that, that one day is going to fully come. So this is the, the tension of the already but not yet reality of God's work and his kingdom that he is going to usher in to all of eternity. All right, finally, number three. We can praise God that we are his inheritance and that we receive an inheritance. Look again at verses 11 through 14. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who was what? Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Okay, so first thing I want you to notice, we are God's possession. We are his inheritance, okay? When we read verse 11, I think on the surface, we might assume, hey, this is talking about our inheritance, what we are going to receive one day. But upon further study, I agree with the majority of scholars today who say that this refers to God's possession of us, God's inheritance of us, that he has adopted us into his family. He has chosen us. We now belong to him. We are his possession. It's an amazing thought to think that God loves us that much, that he cares about us that much, that he wants to spend eternity with us in that kind of way. We belong to him. We are his inheritance. Now, now how does this happen? Look, at, look again at verse 13. This happens when people hear the word of truth, okay, the, the gospel, uh, what I've been trying to explain today is, is the word of truth, the gospel. And when people hear it and believe it, then God is, is showing that he has changed their heart. He has made them new. He has set them free. He has redeemed them. He has ransomed them. He has forgiven them of their sins and trespasses so that they can be reconciled to God. And so isn't this your story if you're in Christ? I mean, I mean, what's your story? Sometimes we call it a testimony. What's your, what's your story? At some point in your life, someone shared the gospel with you and you heard it. And God shone his light into our heart and, and dispelled the darkness, made the darkness go away when we saw the light of Christ. And we said, oh, I see that. I see my need for God. I see that, that I've been separated from God because of the way that I've lived my life. But God has made a way for me to be brought back to him through the cross of Christ. And so, so when God shines that light into our hearts and we believe, Jesus would call that being born again, being made new in Christ. 
And this then leads us to such a great inheritance that we receive. Okay, the Spirit, when we believe the Spirit comes into our life, seals us, keeps us, and now we have a great inheritance that awaits us from God. Now, now let's just, let's just kind of talk uh, uh, in, a, in a really transparent manner here. I want you to think with me um, about just kind of some implications of this, all right? If, if God has reconciled us to himself and given us such an unbelievable gift in the gospel, then, then how cruel would it be for us to have all of these spiritual blessings, to have this hope of eternity, to, to have an inestimable treasure. Okay, I love that word. It's hard to say, but it's, it's inestimable. It's incalculable, right? I mean, we, we can't even begin to understand how, how great the treasure that we hold in Christ is, and yet we hold on to the treasure and we don't share it with anybody else. Is, 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 that, is, that, is that kind or is that cruel? Like, let, let's decide about that. You say, well, Tanner, here we go again. You're talking about, man, we need to share our faith. Like, who'd you share your faith with? So you're like, let's, let's be real with one another. And, and look, I, I don't think anyone who is in Christ here today is thinking, you know what, man, I'm just never gonna share my faith. I don't, I don't think anyone's thinking that. I just think that it's hard. I think that the powers of darkness, the, these, these you know, heavenly realms, these spiritual realities oppose us from doing that because there's nothing more important that we can do. And so we start feeling like, hey, you know, I'm inadequate. Like, I, I, can't, I can't do that. I don't have all the answers. I can't even really tell my story that well, much less the story of the gospel. So I'm going to do that. But then sometimes it's not that we don't feel inadequate, inadequate, but it's that we just don't know how to get into the, the gospel in a natural way. I mean, so think about this, okay? My assumption is that no one is going into the office tomorrow or hopping on the tee and saying, hey, sinners, guess what? Jesus loves you. You can have salvation in him. Okay, it's like, is anyone going to do that? I hope not, all right? It's like, all right, we want to be bold, not stupid, all right? So. <laughs> So, so, so what, is a, what is a more natural way to get into a, maybe a, what we would call a gospel conversation? I mean, aren't there just some natural ways? Well, I think it's this theme of, of brokenness. And so what I want to do is I want to give you a tool, all right? This is not a perfect tool. It's not the only tool, but it's a really good tool, I believe. And I'm trying to use it more and more in my own interactions with people as I go through life. It's called the three circles, okay? So I'm gonna, we're going to show it to you uh, on the PowerPoint. Okay, you can write this down. We're going to send it out in the newsletter this week. And, and you're going to have just a tool that you can use, whether you're writing it on a napkin whether you're, you know, drawing like an air picture for someone on the bus, all right? It's like, you can, you can use it so simple no matter where you are. You can explain the gospel through three simple circles, okay? You ready for this? Here, here's the story of God in the gospel, okay? Number one, God had a design for our world. God made the world and everything in it, and he made it perfect and good. In the very beginning, we experienced what uh, Hebrew scholars would refer to as shalom, flourishing. We were thriving in the world that God had made. We were experiencing a perfect, perfect relationship with God, perfect relationship with one another, and even a perfect relationship to creation, the world that God had made. Everything was perfect in the beginning. That's the story of Genesis 1 and 2. But the story of Genesis 3 says this, that, that we... Uh, decided to not trust in God's good design, God's good plan. 
And so we turned away from his plan and we, we went our own way and the Bible calls that sins, okay? Uh, we saw the word trespasses in, in, in Ephesians 1. We step over the line, the line of God's intention for us. And so what happens then through our sin is that brokenness enters into our world. Sin and death uh, it lead to this brokenness. And, and these arrows refer to the ways that we look to, to, to heal our brokenness in all kinds of different solutions in life. But here's the problem, okay? Most of our own efforts lead only to further brokenness. Relationship is, is broken, so I'm gonna find my meaning through my work. I'm just gonna work as hard as I can, and I'm gonna try to make as much money as I can. Oh, there's another arrow, right? Materialism. And I'm gonna think that, man, if I can just find my identity in, in work or relationships or sex or, or whatever the case may be, that, that I'm gonna find fulfillment in life. But all these other arrows lead to further brokenness. But this is not, only, this is, this is not uh, just a bad thing. It actually can be a good thing. When we experience brokenness, you say, Tanner, why is that? It's because in our brokenness, we begin to see our need for God. I mean, people that, that never see their brokenness never wanna to come to Christ, Right? And so when we see that we need to be fixed, we need to be healed, we need to be restored, hopefully that is going to lead us to, to not our solutions, but God's solution. And that solution is, third circle, the gospel. God has a design for our world. We all experience brokenness, but God has a, a, a plan for, for our brokenness to be healed. And that plan comes through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So that, so that through, through his, his, his work, we can experience healing if we would what? Repent. Okay, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, a biblical word, a church word maybe, that just means change. We change our mind that leads to a change of heart and action. And we believe in Christ. And belief is not just, yeah, Jesus lived and he died and he rose again. People can believe that, but not really believe. You know what I'm saying? Because believe means that we place our life upon what he has done. We trust in what he has done. We're relying on what Christ has done for us. That's what faith is. That's what belief is. That's what uh, we're talking about when we say change and trust. So we turn from our old way of life, we turn to Christ, and here's the good news. When someone embraces the gospel, what happens is we can now see God's design recovered and we can pursue God's design in all of life, where now our relationships and sex and money and all of these good things that we distort and twist can be made whole and renewed. And so, so do, you, do, you see, do you see here what's going on? Do you, do you see why we didn't have to have, you know, like this, this little booklet in our, I mean, like we, we have booklets. We want to give out booklets. Feel free to take some booklets and give them to your friends so they can think about the gospel. But I'm just saying you don't have to have a booklet to share the gospel. You don't have to bombard someone with, with hey, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Here's Jesus. Let me talk about him. Okay. Well, why don't you just listen to the suffering and brokenness that people are experiencing all around you? Because people are experiencing brokenness and suffering all around us, right? We experience it ourselves. And so whether it's mom probs or dad probs or student probs or, or, you know, you fill in the blank, man, the gospel has something to say to that. So three circles, God's design, our brokenness, God's answer, solution in Christ through the gospel. You can write this on a napkin. You can download the app on your phone, Android or Apple. You know, it, it, it's, it's comprehensive, sort of. Um, but but you, get the, you get the point, right? 
Let's, let's use little tools like this to explain God's plan for our world, how, how he wants to offer us salvation in Christ. Now, some of you are saying, Tanner, that's great, but tomorrow when that opportunity comes, and, and it's probably gonna come for many of us, okay? Some of us are going skiing tomorrow. Can I get a witness? Anybody ready to go skiing? I'm going skiing with you guys, by the way. You may not have known that. Right, I'm ready to cover the slopes. It's been about seven or eight years. I hope I don't break my leg, but that's beside the point. Um, when we're out there on the slopes, you're like, God's probably gonna like, you know what? When you have to ride the ski lift, I mean, it's cool to like, you know, chat with our friends, you know, Redemption Hill, but how about like, you know, step back, like, oh man, I got to strap my boot here, you know what I'm saying? And, and like sliding in with somebody we don't know, and just like, what's up, man, where are you from? You know what I mean? Maybe God would even in those four or five minutes lead to a, a conversation, even if, it's, even if it's short. Maybe in the lodge, maybe, you, you, guys, you guys see this, right? But, but then you would say, well, Tanner, um, that moment's going to come, and, and, I, and I still don't know if, I, if I'm ready, if I'm equipped for this. What's going to move us to actually sharing this good news of every spiritual blessing that, that other people can have in Christ? Let me, let me just say this. You want to write this down. Nothing motivates sharing the gospel like the gospel itself. You got it? Nothing motivates sharing the gospel like the gospel so, so think about this. Number one, we should be motivated by the truth of the gospel, okay? This, this little vision card, okay? We just say that the gospel is so important that we want to love all people through communicating the gospel with humble boldness. This is what we're after. And you can just break this little statement down and you can say, well, like, the gospel motivates everything. Love. Why do we love? Because we've been loved. We love because he first loved us. His love motivates our love. You say, well, okay, I'm going to love people. I'm going I'm I'm to set my own concerns aside, and I'm going to love them with humble boldness. You say, well, what creates humility in the human heart? I would say it's the gospel. The gospel shows us how, how bad we are, how sinful we are apart from God's grace. So when we go to talk to someone who is really messed up, they're really broken, man, we can just say, you know what, man, I was broken too. And apart from God's grace, man, I'm still experiencing brokenness in my life today. So, so there's nothing that's more special about me than there is you. We're all broken and we all need God's solution. So the gospel produces humility, but the gospel also produces boldness, Right? We talked about this last week with our identity in Christ. If we've been chosen and adopted and redeemed and forgiven and lavished all of these blessings upon us, then, then why do we care? This is how irrational we are, okay? This is how broken our hearts are before God, okay? We, we care more about what somebody that we don't even really know that well thinks about us for the next 90 seconds or the next nine months more than what God has said of us for eternity, I'm in the same boat. Man, man there, there are people that I've known in Medford. I've lived here for four years now. And I, and I keep thinking now, like I'm building a relationship with them so I can earn the right to share. And, th- and there's some truth to that, okay? There's some wisdom to that. But it's like, after, you know, like 55 interactions with them, like when am I gonna get to the gospel? Like, are they, are they going to love me? Are they going to think less of me if I tell them that, that Jesus loves them? Like, is that a crime these days?
So, so the gospel motivates, the truth of the gospel motivates us. And number two, the, the power of the gospel motivates us. Be moved by the power of the gospel. Be motivated by the power of the gospel. Okay, so this is where we get into verse 14, 13 and 14, where it says that God has sealed us with the promised Holy Spirit. So this is what's so good about God. God does not say, hey, you're saved now and go live the Christian life in your strength, okay? He says, you're saved by my grace and now you're gonna live your life by my grace because I have given you the power of, of, of me. I've given you my presence to live in you, the presence of God's spirit. So, so, so now there is nothing, I mean, this is, you may or may not believe this right now, but I'm just praying that we would believe it. There is nothing that we can't do that God calls us to do because he's given us himself. That's the power of the gospel. So, so now we're, we are kind of left without excuse because when we depend on God and not our own strength, man, we can, we can do anything that God wants us to do. And so, listen, when, when it says that we are sealed by the Spirit, I want you to hear this. This is what we believe in Redemption Hill, okay? That God's grace not only gets us into the Christian life, but God's grace keeps us in the Christian life. Okay, it's, you can call it eternal security. You can call it perseverance of the saints. I'm just saying, because I'm sealed, because I'm branded by the Spirit of Christ, that, that refers to ownership, protection, okay? Listen to this. This is so good. I thought about it yesterday when I was making a sandwich and Marsha was talking about keeping Kessid from the snacks, all right? This is how the, the, when you start meditating on the gospel, you get weird, all right? So, um, so, so Marsha says, I don't know why I'm sharing the whole story with you, sorry. Um, she says, we need, to, we need to lock up the snacks in the house, I'm like, okay, let's lock them up. But I'm like saying, you know what? God has locked me up in Christ. He sealed me up. So, so to get to me, you have to go through God, and you can't do that. Now, that might be weird to you, but that's good. <laughs> I'm a mess, man. I'm broken. I'm broken. So, so listen, listen, I got to wrap up. How, did, how do we receive this? It's all because of the purpose of his will. It's all by the grace of God that we are in Christ. But what is the purpose of this? It's all to the praise of his glory. Look back at the end of verse 12. What does it say? To the praise of his glory. Look, look back at verse 14. What does it say at the end? To the praise of his glory. You think it's twice? No, three times. Look back at verse six. What does it say? To the praise of his glorious grace. Our lives are to the praise of the glory of God. So, so how about just this seven-word prayer that we can pray this week and every week as God leads us to pray? We can just say this. God, my life for your glory. How about that? God, my life for your glory, that is my aim. That is the ultimate aim of, of my life. That is the ultimate aim of all things. And listen, guys, when we do that, God will change us. God will use us. He will use us for his glory. Let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful that you have given us every spiritual blessing in Christ. And now because of the power of the gospel, there is, there is nothing that you call us to do, that you don't equip us to do, that you don't empower us to do. And so, Lord, whether it's, whether it's uh, our, our relationships with one another, whether it's our, our, our job and, and, and kind of how things are, are shaking out in, in our workplace, or, or, or whether it's just what you set before us in, in, the, in the work of your kingdom and telling others about Jesus. Lord, help us to live by faith moment by moment and help us have the, the ultimate intention of our heart be your glory by your grace.
We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.